DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We'll be talking with Samson Nakua in just a few moments. PK, you were there. You saw the blue wave come crashing down in Las Vegas. Cougar fans everywhere. And then BYU won the opener, as they were supposed to do. 24-16. What'd you see that we couldn't see on TV? What do you know that we don't know? You were tweeting out some stuff. I'm like, PK's on the road talking to people. That's where you get them relaxed, and they start yakking. Well, I think, I think at BYU felt that the Arizona defense was much better than they originally anticipated. And I was told transfer portal can really make a difference. You, you can influ- infuse a whole set of new talent that, you know, you look at it from what they were to what they are, and I think the BYU coaches felt like there's a significant difference from there where it was to where it is. And so they wanted to, to law, well, I guess basically give credit to Arizona from the defensive perspective. You know, they didn't do a well, it, I want to say they didn't hold, do a whole lot of offensively. I mean, they threw for 300 and some yards, right? What was the final total? Gunner Cruz threw for uh, 34 of 45, which yeah. is a good, good per- completion percentage right. for 336 yards. Right. That, so that's a decent amount of yardage, but there was only one touchdown. They moved the ball up and down the field, but they missed two field goals and threw a pick in the end zone. Arizona, yeah. they left points on the field in a big, big way. Oh, no question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, those two field goals, I mean, you just who knows how that would have changed the complexion of the game. You can't just say, well, add six points, and obviously it doesn't change the outcome. Right. Uh, but they, I, I got to give Jed Fish credit. And the, the, the opportunity there to show some stuff was there, and they needed to have themselves a much better performance from when they last took the field, and which was probably without <laughs> – well going over the top saying is literally the worst effort by an Arizona football team ever. That's not an outrageous thing to say because it was horrific, and yeah. they competed in this game. It was 21-3, yeah. and they could have rolled over. I think we were all watching, anticipating, are they about to roll over? Is this about to get ugly? Because obviously, with the three injuries, and one of them clearly was much scarier than the other two, but it took the air out of the building. They were talking about it on TV. You could see it in the crowd shots. No, people just couldn't be up and going crazy, and it's the opener, and people were sitting on their hands. So there's just no momentum, and, and BYU starts playing their way back into the game. And when they score early in the third there, and it's 21-3, you're thinking, is Arizona going to have anything? Or is BYU just going to blow them off the field? And credit for the, Wild, credit the Wildcats for competing, because it could have gone, it probably wouldn't have gone to 70 points because it was late enough in the game, but it could have ended up looking a lot like that Arizona State game. It could have been really embarrassing. And they fought uh, back. Yeah, uh, but twenty-one to three when they got there, it was well in the second half, though. Right, but if it ends so, up thirty-five to three or forty-two to three, that's embarrassing. It's not uh, seventy to seven. I'll give you, but you got to do something here, and they did. Yeah. So in talking with BYU folks, it was about uh, Arizona's defense being better than anticipated with the transfers that had come into the program. So we'll see what Arizona does to go forward. You know, have they have this opportunity to win some games? They've got one San Diego State and then NEU. So who's to say they're not two and one? Maybe they're a lot better than we anticipated. Yep. 
All right, it's time to welcome in Samson Nakua, BYU wide receiver. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in a drought. Smart Rain will help you and your commercial property save money, save water. Give the folks a call at Smart Rain. Samson, good morning. Good morning. What's up? Happy Monday. <laughs> it sounds like you are just barely. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit, just a little bit. Long weekend after a win like that, celebrating hard. There you go. So I'm, I'm curious. Before we get into some of the, uh, some of the details of the game, and we got, we got plenty to get to you. Uh, it's a different team. It's a different coach. It's different guys. Maybe a different way of doing things. How different was the game day experience? Um. I try to make it as similar as possible to my normal day routine of life. Uh, I try not to do anything too crazy. Um, um, And I think they ran it uh, pretty smoothly and pretty similar to Coach Whittingham and up at the U of everyone just, uh, you know, just trying to focus in and lock into the game and uh, set aside any distractions. Um, Tell your family you love them early and throughout the day and, you know, just um, try to relax and, you know, keep calm the nerves and, uh, just be prepared mentally and uh, and uh, just uh, you know just stay ready for the whole game day. And uh, I think they did a really good job on uh, preparing us for our game day. So Kalani Stock said afterward that the Nakua brothers should be ready to go this week. You didn't play. Well, you got in and, and recovered the onside kick. So I mean, it's clear. <laughs> it's clear, Samson. Without your ability to cover that onside kick, it could have made all the difference in the world. But you, so I'm. I'm basically saying you won the game for BYU by covering that error, that onside kick. But your coach said you thought that he thought the two of you guys would be back this week against Utah. Is that your line of thinking? Um, yes, um, for sure. Me and Puka are feeling good. Um, we're, we're just here to help the team in any way possible. And uh, um, we were sad that we weren't able to be, make it out on the field this past weekend. But, you know, we're working hard. We've been doing a lot of rehab and streaming. And uh, we're feeling good this weekend. And uh, today's our first day of practice. And uh, so, you know, we're going to get rolling today and see how we're feeling and uh, what's the moving game plan for this week. So I'm curious the impact the injury had on the game uh, early on, and we know how the fans felt about it, and it seems like there is some good news, but it seemed like that changed everything you would think about a season opener, watching a teammate on the field for 17 minutes. Sorry, I'm going to need you to repeat that. <laughs> uh, just watching that game, the uh, you know the normal pomp and circumstance and energy of a season opener, and then you have a teammate go down with – what looks like a really serious injury, apparently it's not nearly that bad, but a 17-minute stop in the game, that was, uh, that was hard to watch. They actually on TV cut away to the studio show. I'm just wondering about your interaction with your teammates during that. Um, it was scary, honestly, um, to, see, uh, to see Keenan go down like that. Um, I was right there on the sideline, uh, honestly, right there watching him play right next to Keenan. Um, and um, to see him uh, go down, it was honestly one of the scariest moments um, for everybody on the team. Um, Courtney was able to pull it together and uh, had one of our teammates say a prayer. Um, and um, I think it just made everyone realize, like, this game uh, you can't take for granted. Um, this game is uh, unforgiving, and um, it could... Uh, it could uh, end at any time, and we just don't know. And uh, we just gotta, we gotta play 
like it's the last time we could ever play, and um, we're just thankful to see that Keenan's doing a lot better, and uh, um, we were able to rally together and uh, get our minds right, you know, and and uh, pull out the win for Keenan. And uh, it, it was scary, but Kalani kept us updated, and uh, we're just happy to have him and um, him have no, no serious injuries. How much improvement do you expect from the offense from game one to game two? Um, I expected to just be more, uh, more clean, more, more flowing, um, more uh, better execution this next week. Um, last week we did we did uh, pretty good, but um, I know we can do better, and um, I know we uh, we have a lot to fix up, but we'll be good. Uh, today's the first day of you know just getting things right and getting things flowing, and uh, we're ready. What what's the number one thing you'd like to see uh, fixed and changed and improved? Um. I think there's just little assignments cleaning up in uh, the details and um, the little details. Um, it, our coaches always talk about it, the little details that will win us a game that, that separates us from being good and great. And um, it's just a little a little picking up assignment, a uh, little picking up block assignments, um, details in our route running, details in um, our alignment of running, uh, of where we are aligned in the play. Um, I think it's just a little thing, honestly. We did get in the big plays, uh, players uh, that we needed to make plays, make plays, and it's going to be fun this week, honestly. It's just a little detail that's going to separate who's going to win this game. So you were with the Utes, obviously, for a number of years, and this is a rivalry game. Some people with Utah, not, I don't know about the players or the coaches, but fans, they want to downplay the rivalry. From your perspective when you're with the Utes, how big was the BYU game? Oh my goodness! It was. It wasn't the main focus of Utah, but when the game came around, uh, we were locked into them. Definitely no distractions. We had the whole football facility over there lit up. Uh, every every TV screen over there is uh, playing old old football games of Utah beating the crap out of BYU and stuff. So. It's pretty intense over there, honestly. Uh, we don't mention the name over there. It's a team down south. Um, it, it gets intense over there, honestly. So Kyle will play it off and try to talk about BYU with never, ever using the letters BYU or the word Cougars. When he speaks to the team the week of that game, how fired up is he and what kind of stuff does he say? Um, he's pretty fired up. Um there's not much to say. I think he takes almost every game pretty seriously. Um, but this one, he, he takes a little bit more to heart because the in-state rivalry. Um, he just he left talking. Uh, let um, Utah know that they're the bigger brother. Um, that they're the bigger brother of the state, and that they they're going to keep it that way. And um, he just loves to be the top dog in the state, and he just reminds everyone over there that, that they are, and uh, just keeps it in their head and. Uh, just engraves it in, into everybody's heart set. They're the best in state. <laughs> You're going to tell your guys about this to make sure they're fired up to meet the challenge because obviously you've changed colors now, so to speak. Uh, hopefully I don't have to get anyone fired up. Hopefully they know that this game is, is like any other game. It's, just, it's as important as any other game. Um, we come here to – for an undefeated season, and uh, we, we can't do that without winning this game and taking this game seriously. So 
I know these guys are pumped up just as much as me, maybe not as much as me, maybe, but I need them to be because, you know, this game means a lot to everybody around this uh, state, honestly, so it's time to make things happen. So it's unusual to change sides in the rivalry, but you also have an unusual personal you know, reason that was part of why you did it, and guys understand that. So are your former teammates leaving your phone alone, or are they blowing it up and uh, coming after you? Um, it's been a little bit of both. Uh, we, we talk a little smack uh, back and forth, um, but most of the time we're always just checking up on each other, me and my old teammates. Um, those guys are my brothers for four to five years, and uh, I wouldn't change a thing of being over there. And um, So, yeah, we talk a little bit, chatting back and forth, but, you know, we're just checking out, making sure everyone's good, making sure everyone's living life and uh, is happy. And um, it's been good. It's been fun, honestly. We talk a little smack, but nothing too crazy. I think that you being an in-state guy, you grew up, obviously, with the BYU-Utah game being forefront on the mind of uh, what people want to do in terms of having fun and the trash talk and all that stuff. How long does it take an out-of-state guy to understand the level of the importance of the game? I don't think they... I think as soon as they step into the state of Utah, they they feel the rivalry, they hear about the rivalry, like the Holy War is... Actually, the Holy War is one of the biggest rivalries in the in the country, in the in the states right now. So I'm pretty sure even them not even being part of the church or not even being from Utah, they've heard about it. And um, especially when they get here, they know, they can feel it. They can, everyone's in their ear about it. And they just have to join in. It's either you uh, you join in or you're part of it, you're in the way. And uh, it's been fun. <laughs> when they come out for warm-ups, is it different then? Can you look at guys when you're warming up well before the game and say, it already feels different, doesn't it? You you better be ready. You know what you're in for here. Yeah. The warm-ups, warm-ups you can definitely feel, especially this past weekend. You could feel who was ready and who wasn't. Um, and it was a good thing. Kalani gave a great talk before the game, and I think it calmed everyone's nerve down. And uh, the guy went a little more focused in and um, – I think this week, I don't, I don't know if anyone has to say anything. If they do, I don't want them on the field with us. Um, I, I need them to have their own self-motivation, and um, I need them to be ready mentally uh, and to come out and ball. Like, this game is, you guys already know, this game is one of the biggest games of the year, and um, I just need everyone to be on their A game. <laughs> From the player perspective, going back to last year, how much more fun was it this year to have fans in the stadium because you didn't have any last year. Oh my goodness! To be able to walk out into Legion Stadium and have a wave of blue and barely any red was just unbelievable. It felt like a home game out in uh, over here down in Provo, and uh, it was crazy, honestly, um, to remember last year with no fans, no, nothing. It was completely dead in the stadiums and. Uh, just to come out there and feel that energy was just, it reminds you why we love to play the game, why why we're entertainers, why we do this. And um, it, it was just so fun to be out there, and I can't wait to be out there Saturday. So as a player, you get to be behind the scenes. Is that new stadium in Las Vegas, is that thing just a palace? 
Sorry, what'd you say? You've been behind the scenes at that new stadium now. Is it as nice as everyone says? Is it a palace? Oh, my goodness. It is unbelievable over there. I can try to make my house something like that. Allegiant Stadium, they did an amazing job, honestly. Do you think Arizona was maybe a little bit better than advertised? For sure they were. They were a lot better than uh, advertised, I think, honestly. Um, they came out and played really hard. Their defense was a lot better than we were, uh, we were expecting, honestly. Um, um, but the coaches were able to stick with the game plan, adjust a little bit that half, and uh, we came out with the W just exactly as we planned. So do you think with the transfer portal, teams that are down, have long losing streaks like Arizona, don't compete at the end of the previous season like Arizona, can really turn things around quickly now? Um, I think they do. I think they can definitely turn things around. Um, you know, we always have bumps in our roads, and it's just a matter how you can face adversity if you're willing to come back through it, or or you're really just gonna let it take over and you're gonna fall behind. Um, Arizona is a great team. Um, I don't think they should let this little loss um, set them back too much, but we never know. Well, Samson, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us this morning, and we're all looking forward to Saturday night. Good luck. Yes, sir. Thank you. Go Cougs, baby. Samson Nakua, BYU wide receiver, joins us every Monday morning right here on the Zone Sports Network. And Saturday night, Utah and BYU, the rivalry game. Sounds like the in-state guys and the transfers who don't know anything about it will be up to speed quickly, PK. Kyle's behind the scenes, as we all suspect he is, letting people know we're big brother and it needs to stay that way. Oh, the in-state game? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. You know darn well what I'm talking about. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Don't say the letters BYU. Don't say the word Cougar. But behind the scenes, let all the players know you have to win this. Yeah, have to. Might, that might be a little bit too strong. It's it, BYU uh, for them. You know, they don't have the conference not till later on this week. By the way, there maybe ne- in the next week. I told you it would be soon. I mean, all these sources we can have on all the experts from the country, wherever you want to go. You get it right here in the morning show. I told you last week that it would be much, much sooner rather than later. And I think that's where we're headed uh, in conversations over the weekend. It reinforced what I already believe. But nevertheless, for now, they're not in the league. Utah can still accomplish great things by losing the game. But the great thing about it is at least with the Whittingham situation there, having played there and his family just so intense about it, that it does mean a great, great deal. You know, maybe down the line it won't be when they go forward, although I think Morgan Scali will be the next coach, and so he'll still have it in his blood. Uh, going forward, too. Uh, but, yeah, this is a gigantic opportunity for both teams to make an early season statement. They can still accomplish great things if uh, whoever loses the game, and obviously there'll be a winner and loser. So it's not like your season is over by any stretch. I mean, for the Utes, they, theoretically, they could still go to the college football playoff, although the performance by the North uh, Division yesterday, Saturday, sort of uh, makes it more difficult because right now the Pac-12 North is an absolute joke and an embarrassment, whereas BYU, the playoff probably isn't in consideration right now. We'll see what happens with the newly 
reconfigured Big 12 and what they do with the playoff in the years to come, but they can still accomplish a great deal. Nevertheless, both teams want to win for different reasons. The streak is something you want to keep going, and the streak is something you want to end. It's obvious. So I'm curious uh, how much more you heard. You heard because you did say stuff before uh, 2022, 2023. doesn't sound like it'd be anything later than that. Uh, you're just talking about when they join the, the conference. Yeah. And yeah. will it be just one or will they announce something with all the teams? Although the other teams are in leagues and so the timeline may be a little different. Right. Uh, yeah. The AAC, what is there? Is it like a year and a half or something that they have to give? 27 notice? months. Everything's negotiable, guys. It yeah, is. It, it, it is. It is. Because yeah, UConn, UConn paid $17 million to make it 12 months. Okay, that's that's what it was. Uh, that's where I was getting that because uh, there's so much information out there, and I haven't been focusing. I don't. I don't have any Big Twelve sources. All my stuff is coming from local, uh, so I'm not uh, getting stuff from out of the Big Twelve. Where I think that all these people outside of our area, that's where they're getting stuff from the Big Twelve people, uh, indirectly or indirectly, whatever way, one way or another. That's where they're getting it. I'm not. I'm getting it emanating at a Provo. Uh, so I haven't been focused on what the other teams are doing. I mean, we know the the names of the other teams out there that's been widely reported. I don't know who's who's doing what. Well, i got to be careful because yesterday I got, inclu- I got accused of plagiarism because I copied and pasted Brett Pine's uh, text to all the media that was at the game Saturday and some ding-dong went on Twitter and and I was made of aware that I was being accused of being accused of plagiarism, which, you know, I don't respond on Twitter. But if you're going to take a shot of plagiarism at my journalistic uh, integrity, that's probably going to get me upset. You can call me a bum and this and that, and I get that stuff all the time. No problem. I'll just roll with that. I understand that uh, after all these years, if it hasn't bothered me by now, it's probably not. But you take shot at integrity. That that caused me to respond. But uh so we know we know what we hear, and I believe all those things to be true. As far as BYU, yeah, last week I said there's a possibility of them getting into 2022. I don't know that that's going to happen. I'm not here to report that that's going to happen, that they could begin play next season because there's a lot of factors that go into it because BYU obviously has contractual obligations that they've got to work through. And so it's like a labyrinth of stuff that needs to get straightened out. The important thing is I believe that if they want, I don't think they've accepted it 100%, but uh, I asked somebody, I said, is it a done deal? And the response was, came back to me, you know the answer to that. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, although I will say, though, having gone through this before, and I've used this example plenty of times, that when I was told that they were going to go into the whack, and then... Less than 90 minutes later, I go to the gym, and across the screen on the bottom there, on the television, I see the teams that were leaving the WAC to join the Mountain West when I had just been told that everything was set up. So at this point, you know, I'm in the category of the never say never until it literally is officially done. So maybe it could break down, but I'm I'm going in that direction right now. Uh, and maybe there's a yeah, – I'm not – until it's literally done, you're never going to hear me say it's 100%. Because that was one weird story. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Shocking to me. It really was. we got to take a break. When we come back, Nick Ford, University of Utah offensive lineman, joins us next. Stay with us.
It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. For the first time in two years, it's rivalry week. Kyle Whittingham and the Utes look to make it 10 in a row against the Cougars as the Utes head to Provo for another showdown with BYU. Your home for the best Holy War coverage is right here on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It is time to talk Ute football with Nick Ford. He joins us every week here on DJ and PK, and he joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Nick, good morning. Good morning, boss man. Nick, you know, uh, social media can be good. You can learn stuff, but I'm always wary about trying to uh, look at it and assess somebody's mood. It's really hard to do. It doesn't convey, you know, you see something typed there, but it doesn't necessarily convey tone and all that. But I saw a tweet from you after the game, uh, you basically paraphrasing, but, you know, we're going to get better. Good night, Utes. And I saw your body language after a few plays, and I thought, Nick's frustrated. Nick didn't measure up to his own standards. Nick's Going to sleep a little pissed off, quite frankly. But I wonder if, first off, was I right? And second off, you get a perspective of a few days, you have a chance to watch that film, watch other teams play their openers. Are you sitting here uh, now feeling different than you did when you went to bed the night after the game? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you, could, you could ask anyone that knows me. I'm really tough on myself, so... Even if I uh, perform well in other people's eyes, I still think, you know, I got a lot to work on. So um, there's, you know, certain things that I was upset about myself personally that I knew I could improve on and I knew I could play better. And that's how it is going to be for me, you know, no matter what it is. And um, so I don't think I was necessarily pissed off in in a negative way. I'm more, when it comes to football, I'm more pissed off for greatness and perfection. So if it's not greatness and perfection, it's going to, you know, irritate me, and then overall as a team, you know, we did, uh, you know, f- uh, minor minor mistakes and stuff. But I mean, like that's the first uh, game of the season. That's how it always is, and uh, how Coach Wade runs the program. And everything, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of improvement to be made within this week. Um, any weaknesses that he thinks we have, or any mistakes that we did have, will be fixed this week. And when you think about Utah uh, football. You know, from the offensive perspective, in the first game, you had a new quarterback, you had some reshuffling on the offensive line, you had some new receivers, and then pretty much just about everybody was uh, new at running back. So when you put that in perspective, uh, how do you evaluate the performance just from the first game? And you've already spoken that you see a significant amount of improvement coming down the line as soon as this very week. Um, you know, I'm really proud of how everyone – performed this uh, past Thursday and I know that um, you know offensive line uh, we're joined together a lot of guys are really smart a lot of guys are starting to figure things out I have the utmost confidence in our quarterbacks our running backs and everyone you can see they clearly performed uh, last Thursday and you know it's all about uh, not being content with uh, where your position group is at and I don't think anyone right now is content with where we're at 
and we know what we're entirely capable of. So, um, you know, everyone, like I said, everyone's proud of how we performed, but at the same time, um, you know, we have no time to get content and we want to continue to improve off of that. How much faster is the first game than the scrimmages that you guys have, and how much do they let an accomplished player like yourself play in a scrimmage? Um, you know, it's it's, um, it's a lot different. It's actually kind of slower. The game games are actually kind of slow when you're actually playing. It's really weird. At least for me, everything tends to slow down. Um, and you know, like you said, in the scrimmage, I played a good amount. I you know, I wanted to go play with my teammates in the scrimmages, so I played a couple of drives instead of sitting out the entire time and um, going and playing a football game. I mean, I've been doing it for years, so I'm kind of used to the tempo. And like I said, for me, it kind of slows down mentally for me, and it's really weird. It's just like a different speed of time. How about that running back, Thomas, for you guys? Man, he's almost big enough to play alongside of you guys up front. I thought he looked really good. <laughs> oh, I know. We'd be joking with that, but we telling him he's a couple meals away from knee braces or ain't no linebacker should be running the ball. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, obviously, there's uh, the transfer portal. There's a lot of players joining teams now and fans don't know much about them, haven't seen them play, haven't seen how they express themselves after big plays, haven't seen them interviewed, don't know much about them. So what is what is Tavian like? Is he a loud guy, a quiet guy, serious guy, the guy who cracks up the locker room? What's he like? Uh, i say he's a good mix of everything. Um, you know, we, we've been blessed with the transfer portal and everyone who came from the portal has been, you know, really open and you know, bought into the team, and Tavion is one of those people, and you know, he's just he's just a cool dude. He's not going to be too loud or too quiet. I mean, he's he's he just fits in perfectly. He'll joke about certain things, not knowing not to joke, and he works at practice, and you know, he's just an overall good kid, good guy, and I mean, you know, he's he's a funny dude when you start talking to him and getting to know him. So I mean. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't boast around anywhere, but at the same time, you know he's there. we got the rivalry game coming up this week, Nick. You know, you've got the in-state kids, the out-of-state kids, the intensity of the rivalry. Is, is this what it'd be like if Pedro ever played Mary Star? Oh, no, not Pedro on Mary Star. It's Pedro on Narbonne. Mary Star couldn't keep it. Narbonne. <laughs> well, I went in the city. You wanted to go out of the boundaries a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or or Nas, it's either Narbonne or uh, Banning out in Wilmington, Battle for the Port. Okay, there you go. Battle for the Port, that sounds good. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a Pirates coming to town or something, a Battle for oh, the yeah. Port. Oh, yeah, Pirates versus oh, Pedro, uh, Pedro was the Pirates. The pirates. Yeah. The Pirates versus Banning is the pi- uh, the Pilots, right? And Carson's the Colts. Nar- Narbonne's yeah. the Gauchos. Narbonne's the yeah, Gauchos, the Nachos. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious in the rivalry games you've been in, how different it is when you're finally in the middle of the game. Obviously, the hype, the run-up, the way the fans interact before the game, that's all going to be different. Fans are going to be mm-hmm. different bef- before a Utah-BYU game than before a Utah-Oregon you know, Oregon State game or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious when you get there in the second and the third quarter, and, and now you've been hitting each other for 45 minutes or an hour, 
does it still is it still different, or does it settle down and become football, or is there a level of trash talking that can't be replicated? What's it like? <laughs> um, I say it's a little bit mix of everything. Um, you know, the the fans on both sides, you know, take it very serious. So do the football teams, and um, you know, there is trash talking. That's this just sport of football, and um, I think the biggest thing is to not. Um, overcomplicate it and not get too emotional because then you start to miss your assignments on a uh, football level. So for me personally, you know, I just lock in. Um, it's really hyped the entire week of and going there and seeing the fans and everything. But once that ball's in the air, I kind of, you know, snap out of that emotional state and go into, you know, just a football state, understanding my assignment, what I have to do for that play making sure that I'm locked in and, you know, everything is just uh, functioning at a high level, especially being center because, uh, you know, and I've talked to the rest of the offensive line and uh, making sure that the entire offense is calm. So, I mean, there is trash talking on the field. That's how it always is with football. So it always be. But, I mean, um, from an emotional standpoint, a lot of guys try to, you know, just focus on the game at that point in time so they don't miss their assignments. And then afterwards is when the emotions pick back up. How fun is it from the player perspective to go into a visiting stadium? You know there's going to be 60-some thousand people and everybody's going to be excited. So just from the basic fun of having the opportunity to play the game. Oh, it's, I mean, it's a blast. You go out there, I'm sure it's going to be loud being on offensive way, you know, uh, getting towards the end zones and whatnot and, they're going to start yelling and screaming. and It's really weird. You start to tone out a lot of things when you start getting into those situations. And, um, you know, just the uh, environment is crazy both here in Rice-Eccles and down um, at their stadium. And um, it's, it's like one of the most unmatched things in college football, in my opinion. I've been a part of a lot of football games. Um and the energy levels of Rice Eccles and down there, um, it's it's really different. So are you the guy who likes to go out on the field as soon as possible? Some guys like to stay in the locker room and they don't go out until the assistant coaches want to get the group going before the game? Or you like to go out and hear from the fans and uh, get, after the, uh, get after everything real quick? Uh, I like to go out early, walk around a little bit, get, get my bearings, get my legs warmed up. Do a couple push-ups, stretch, and then um, then we stretch as a team and go back into the locker room. And then I'm in the locker room until the uh, centers come out uh, with the quarterbacks and everyone. And by then, it's you know pretty much game time. Go out there, stay out there. Then the rest of the team comes to warm up. So I mean, it's it's a little bit of both. I kind of get out there early, tuck away for a little bit, then head back out for the rest of the day. You're coming up from the L.A. area. How long did it take you to realize BYU-Utah was a big deal? Oh, not at all. Not at all. I'm long at all. I mean, um, that that's what, you know, Coach, Hart, Coach Hart, uh, Harding, Coach Witt lives on. Um, you know, we don't lose to those guys. And, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty much that simple. Um, that's what he, he preaches every single year, every single week, every single day. Um, and, you know, he makes it very apparent. So from, for an out-of-state kid coming in, 
um, you start to understand it. And then, um, you know, we have a video that plays on a loop, constant loop, constant loop of the the football game between us. And then that's throughout the entire football facility for the entire week. And then on top of that, you get there to the game, whether it's down there or up here in Rice Cycles. And then you start seeing all the fans, you start hearing all the noise and everything. And you realize, okay, now these guys, these guys take that that very serious. And, you know, it's grown upon me, so it's not even these guys. So now it's like, yeah, I, me and my teammates take it very serious. So there's not really an opposing player or a play or the final score or something that happened in the first game you played in. You're locked into the rivalry before the first snap of the first rivalry game you ever play? 100%. 100%. You talk about this loop video that's playing. Is that normal for other games that you have during the course of a season? Uh, no, 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 it's not at all. They got some like rock and roll music, and you know, it just it gets you hyped, and it's he just harps and harps, harps it in, into all of us. It's part of our DNA. So I mean, you see that video every day. You walk in, and every day you leave, and. I got the music blasting, and it's, it's no getting away from it. You have to understand that that is you. Nick Ford joining us. He's here every week, University of Utah offensive lineman, talking youth football. So when you watch uh, the BYU game Saturday night, which I assume you did, what did you see? Uh, I saw, you know, be- let me see. Let me see how I can phrase this. Um. First off, I was locked into that UCLA-LSU game. That game was crazy. I backed the pack. <laughs> My boys over at UCLA handled their business. And then I flipped over to, um, you know, the, the TDS team down south, flipped over to their game for a little bit. Um, my prayers go out to uh, Keenan Ellis. You know, that was, that was a rough hit. Football is a rough game. And, you know, sometimes it's more, it's more than football. I mean, I got friends down there. So, I mean, prayers go out to him. I hope he's healthy, getting better. Um, but you know, it's, it's pretty much the same thing as always. Um, you know, you don't ever disrespect the team or look over a team. They're a team that's fully capable of doing things. And we're a team that's fully capable of doing things and, you know, looking at them, you know, it's your, your typical big guys, strong guys, all that stuff. Um, it should be a fun competition. You know, I'm not, I'm not one to talk smack, especially with the media, <laughs> But um, they, uh, you know, they're a respectable program. Uh, in all honesty, um, you know, they grind. They, their players grind. Like I said, I know some of them, so I know they have the same emotions to this game. And you know, it should be a fun game. But I mean, if all all is well and you handle business, you will handle business. This obviously is a road game for you. What's it like as a player when you don't kick off until 8.30 at night, whatever it might be, sometime after 8 o'clock, you got to <laughs> sit around all day? Is, is that bothersome? Would you just as soon get out on the field or you just take it in stride? Nah, it's kind of grown on me. Um, you know, it is what it is, especially Pac-12. We have later games. Um, and one thing is like, Every player in the country doesn't like it. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to wake up and then have to wait all day to do something. It's like it's like you're a little kid who got promised to go to D- Disneyland at three o'clock. Like you're gonna wake up at six and be agitated and like trying to go. Um, you know, but our coaches do a really good job of getting us to understand that 
um, you know, whatever it is uh, could leave the forefront of our mind. The game could leave the forefront of our mind, but it can never leave the back of our mind. And that being said, we don't, you know, sit there and stress over the game the entire day and hype over the game the entire day and be locked in the film the entire time, be locked in this, be locked in that. Because it's just going to burn you out. In all honesty, it'll burn anybody out. Um, you know, but at the same time, it doesn't mean we just completely ignore it. So, you know, the the film option is there if you want to watch film. We have our study sheets if we want to study. Um, you know, people talk about the game, hang out. But uh, for the most part, our coaches do a good job of, you know, giving us time to think about football and giving us time to relax. So that way, by the time we actually get to going to the game, we still have that mental and physical energy versus being tense all day. Well, Nick, we're all looking forward to the game Saturday night. It's always a big deal and a lot of fun, and good luck to you in that game. Look forward to seeing it. Appreciate you. Yeah, it'll be fun. Nick Ford, University of Utah offensive lineman, joining us every week right here on the Zone Sports Network. PK, uh, do they play – growing up in San Diego, most people played night games, but the San Diego City Schools played afternoon games. How many players in Southern California – are growing up playing night games? Because I would think you at least have the 7 o'clock game as a high school kid, so you've had a little bit of experience of playing later. Although when you're a kid, you know, in your 5th grade, 7th grade, whatever, then, you, then you're playing early in the day. So I think by the time you get to college, most players, not all of them, but most players have experience with, with having to wait all day to play the game, but also getting up and just going straight to the game. Well, David James Stigeldorf III, it depends on your neighborhood. There you go. Because some neighborhoods, it was not deemed uh, safe to play night games. It was deemed safer to play at 3 or 4 in the afternoon. So so what were they doing down there uh, by the harbor? Daniels Field, man. Wasn't even on the campus. It was down the street a little bit, and they had lights. Mary Star is the local Catholic school in town. It plays at a much smaller level. Uh, than uh, the city, L.A. City section schools. So, like, when I was there, Daniels Field is where both teams would play, and they would play at night. And then Narbonne didn't have a field, didn't have lights. Banning uh, didn't have a field. Though they had a field, but they never had any games there. They'd always go play in Gardena or wherever and use their field, which had lights. My wife taught at Washington, and they, I think they had lights, but they played in the afternoon because it was deemed as safer. Stuff you don't really have to consider up here <laughs> as much. And yeah, when I moved here, there were... Years, so I don't know if they changed it, but that's the way it was when I was there. Yeah, when I, uh, when I moved up here, there were still several fields that didn't have... Most had lights, but several did not. So there were still some 4 and 5 o'clock starts, but now everybody's got lights up here. Uh, the San Diego schools, when I was growing up, they had had, uh, had full-on wild, crazy brawls involving dozens and dozens of people. And so that's when they went to all 330 kicks in that school district. Um, but, you know, Keenan uh, Ellis went to Benita Vista High School where my dad taught for about a decade, and they have a field and no lights and no grandstands. They play basically across the street at the junior college, which does have lights. So depends on what you're right. Depends on where you are. That's why I wondered what uh, what Nick had, had grown up with, what was – what was going on down in Pedro? Yeah, he played at Daniel, Daniel's Field, and it was a, they they played all night games. Uh, back east, it was it was cool. A lot of the games were on Saturday. It's changed, and then they would play Thanksgiving morning would be the last game of the season, 
and it's much more community oriented. So everybody in the community would go out and you'd play your rival Thanksgiving morning at about a 10 o'clock kickoff. I can remember my father and I going to every Thanksgiving, we would go to a high school game. Well, American Fork was just down there uh, playing a Saturday game. They played uh, Junipero Serra and one going away in that thing. So there's some Saturday football down there. But Good for American Fork. Mostly it's a Friday deal in, uh, in California. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We've talked to a Ute and a Cougar. We're going to talk to the Aggies head coach, Blake Anderson. He's going to join us at 930. Huge win, big fourth quarter for Utah State, and the dramatic win. We'll talk with him coming up at 930, right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. The Holy War is here. Kalani Sataki and the Cougars look to snap Utah's winning streak at Lavelle Edwards Stadium on Saturday. Your home for the best Holy War coverage is right here on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. We just talked to Samson Nakua and Nick Ford, and they both talked about Kyle Whittingham getting fired up for this game. I think it's what we always suspected, PK. What game is that? <laughs> A certain in state game. <clears throat> he wants it, and he wants it badly. And he's not going to sit up there up at the podium in his press conferences and talk about how badly he wants it. He's going to downplay it, but he's only downplaying it because he wants it badly. That's interesting because we've been told some of the higher-ups in a football program don't want to play the game, but yet they're going to play the game, so got to win the game, and it is a big deal uh, for sure. Yeah, in, in, in some respects, it's even a bigger deal than it used to be when it was at the end of the season. Oh, I loved it at the end of the season, though. Everything built up to the drama of that game. Yeah, but sometimes you had two four and eight teams going at each other. There were or... some downer. A hundred percent. I cannot sit here and tell you anything about the two thousand two game, Ronnie Mack's last game. The place wasn't full. There was no umph. It was lousy. But those games, and there were a couple others, but those games were so outnumbered by the drama, the fantastic finishes. It was phenomenal. I was going to work and watching those games, rarely in the stadium, a few times. Usually I was anchoring on the weekend. I was, ba- But it didn't matter. It was awesome. And they've still been good early in the season. I still like it. It's still a big game. And there, there have been some great finishes. Storming the field three times. When are we going to see that again, right? I'm, I'm all for turning on a game, whatever sport, college, pro, doesn't matter, and seeing something. Man, I've never seen that before. I have never seen a crowd storm a field three times. That was awesome. I think here, given the fact that both teams are one and zero, and you know they could have played better in both games, but you can say that just about any team, any time when you could play better. So that's not that unusual. But I think here now that both teams think, hey, we can be really good. Well, mm-hmm. in order to be really good, you've got to win this game because before, when you're in the same conference, if you can win the division, the year the first the Devils have only gone to the Rose Bowl twice. The first time that they went, they actually lost to Arizona. 
but nobody remembers it. It didn't matter <laughs> because they went to the Rose Bowl, right? So yep. that two bitter rivals, big deal. You take that, you lose to Arizona and go to the Rose Bowl every year. Back when the Rose Bowl was the highest it thing was that the you ultimate. could accomplish. Yeah, that was yeah. the ultimate. So uh, here, you know, you don't have a conference ramification now. And in a year or two, it's going to be Big 12 versus Pac-12. So we'll add even more. So I'm, I'm, I have no problem getting with the times. And, and that way, it has changed dramatically. And in a lot of ways, it's changed for the better. I'm excited for the game. I was thinking about this. The last time I hadn't been in the stadium, I think it was Lavelle Edwards' last game, when I was in Puerto Rico sitting on the bed on Thanksgiving Day, of all things, because I was with Utah basketball. They were playing in the Puerto Rico, whatever it was called. Uh, so here, going forward, I've been in every single game in the stadium, and I'll be there again Saturday. And it's a big, big deal, and it's a lot of fun. And that's what sports are about at its essence. It's entertainment, and it should be fun. And that's what this game provides. DJ and PK, what is trending? It's new Monday morning home because Samson Nakua and Nick Ford are highly scheduled on Monday, and that's when they can join us early in the 7 o'clock hour back-to-back. So what is trending? Coming up next... And we will get to what an awful day for the Pac-12 North. Horrific. Although, you know, I think ACC fans are shaking their head thinking, what just happened this season too? All the college football next. Stay with us.